Oh, wow. We're going to get James up more often. He's like so efficient. What time is it? Like 10.33. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Sunday school better get ready. Okay. Hey, let's, um, let's open with a word of prayer, shall we? Father God, thank you so much that um, we get to hear from you. Thank you so much that we get to fellowship with you. Thank you, Lord God, that you are a good God. Um, And today we want to invite you, even as I speak, even as we hear from your word today, I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit uh, would carry these words and that it would affect real life change in us. We commit this into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, we are in our series. We'll be in this series for the next couple of months, but we're in this series called Household of Faith. Um, And as part of it, we're actually going to try to have um, stories or testimonies of people within our households of faith um, to come up and share, just so that we can try and keep this series as real as possible. We uh, have celebrated 25 years uh, together as a church, and we'd like to think, you know, from Pastor Roland's um, intro last week, we'd like to think that actually we're called not just to be an institution, not an organization or some kind of corporate entity, but rather that we're called to be God's family. Uh, And that means that we're actually comprised of many, many parts of God's family. We're all individually households of faith that come together to celebrate as one local church and one household of faith. So it's my uh, privilege to invite up Daniel and Julie, who are going to share for this week uh, and give us a little bit of a snapshot into their lives. Oh, wow. Thanks, Chris. Hi, everyone. Um, I've got to get my notes, sorry. Okay, so Pastor, Pastor Chris asked us to give glasses off. Um, a short testimony about the impact that a, relationship, a relational household of faith has. And we've been part of this house. We really think of you guys as our family. We've been here for four and a half years and we had come from a really large church and then we felt the Lord calling us into uh, our, our local community church. And Daniel's um, half Singaporean, so... We, we've always loved Asian food. Um, and even though I'm not um, from an Asian background, I have always felt part of this family from day one. And now um, um, our three daughters come here as well, Sophie and Elle and Laura and our gorgeous girl over there. And um, our oldest daughter, Laura, and her husband, Tom, and we've had a grandbaby um, Hannah this year, which has been awesome. Um, I know. So um, relational to us means that we have a family in Christ that love us and that are always there for us in good times and in bad. And over the last four and, four and a half years we have, we've had some really good times. We've had some really bad times. But we know that you guys have always been there for us, praying for us. Um, it's been amazing. And, and pre-service prayer, if I can put in a plug for that, is so awesome if you can come to pre-service prayer because we get to pray for our family and we get to pray for each other it's always a special time so and and the the other way we know that this place is home for us is that whenever we go away we always go to other churches when we're away and we always come home and the minute we walk back in it's like yes we're home so that's that's what it means to me thank you And so the first time we came here uh, was back when church was at Kingswood College. And I just remember the first time we, you know, discovered it and we're going in, we're walking through the park and then walking through the school and wondering, you know, what's this going to be about? But the, the, the very first thing we attended was pre-service prayer that Jules was just talking about. And, you know, it wasn't a huge group, it's not as big a group as it was this morning, uh, but it was small and it was very intimate and it was really... Uh, fantastic because we just felt the presence of the Holy Spirit the moment we entered into that into that prayer time and and from that first experience we just felt as well particularly from my perspective people were down to earth Uh, the first service we went to you know Pastor Chris you know making jokes up on stage and you know doing the thing he normally does not taking himself too seriously or you know Pastor Roland just saying something really funny and you know from the beginning I just felt that people were down to earth and 
And it, that in itself made an impact on us because you felt very welcomed. You felt you could approach people. It wasn't like, you know, people were at a distance and you were here and you were new or that meant anything. It was just straight off the bat felt like we were entering into a family. So it was very, very, uh, you know, influential on us when we first started. And for me personally, uh, even though uh, I was tossing up whether to walk up the stairs or jump on the stage because I've become a grandfather since we've, we started in this part of God's family. So I jumped up on the stage because you, you know, always got to feel young. But, <laughs> but when I did start here, the, the, a really, really powerful thing was there were a few uh, older guys and younger guys, brothers in the church who took me under their wing and really made an effort. And I could see that that was very authentic. You know, it wasn't put on, it wasn't because they were, you know, you've got to tick the box and this person started and now you've got to, you know, do so many weeks, you know, looking after them. It was very genuine and I, I really felt that made an impact on me fe- feeling welcomed into this part of the house. And I noticed the same for Julie and for our daughters as well, that, you know, people would make a genuine effort. And I think that pastoral care in the relational part of this church is really important. It certainly made an impact on our family. And finally, because uh, I'll stick on time, uh, finally, uh, how can I say, the first time we also came to the service, uh, people invited us to stay back and have lunch after the service. And we walked into that kitchen area, you know, that, that, that building in Kingswood to have lunch. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And, and I turned around and looked at Julie and I had my wide, eyes wide open, you know, because my dad, Singaporean Chinese, so I love love food and so walking into a place uh which was you know serving such great kwadiao and great vietnamese delicacies you know like if there were ever a church on earth that god made for me personally (laughs) it's fga so so you know from that aspect i think the communal experience that we can have every week uh and the sense of belonging that comes from that i think really helps families integrate and feel part of this part of God's house. So, thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Wow. You know, I just want to encourage you. um, It's very hard for us to persuade people to come up and share. Um, And over the next couple of months, we're going to be calling around. We're going to be asking people to come up and share because your life is not just for your own benefit. I get that some of you have settled into FGA and, and you found a little bit of family here. That's fantastic. But that's not just for you to be happy and for you to um, go, oh my goodness, this is so, I'm so comfortable here at home. It's actually to bless other people. And so um, if you have a testimony to share, if uh, one of us actually approaches you, really, really please consider getting up and, and sharing. You don't have to. FGA, happy to keep it real. You don't have to come up and sort of say my jokes are funny and everything's all fantastic. We want to get real world snapshots of what it's like to be living out a household of faith. And over the years, actually, if I could just be really, really honest, I think we've been hearing testimonies like this because they, that's what these families, that's what Daniel and Julie really believe. It's not that it's a specially crafted, they vetted the, the, the testimony with me and then I've changed all their words or whatever it is, right? Like, we, we probably should have spoken a little bit more, you know? Um, the idea is that if we do in a genuine test, if we do a genuine look into the home, what will we see? That's the whole purpose behind this series, Households of Faith. That actually we start forming in our families and in our homes and in our, our personal lives. If you're, a, if you're a single guy and maybe Saturday night was a big night for you guys, right? It's your, you're forming, you're forming your, your inner home culture. Who are you when no one is looking, right? What, what is that real life going to be like? And then we just, over these two months, we're just going to take a 
quick peek into that. We're going to peel behind the curtains and we're really going to ask ourselves this question. Are we genuine about saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Because in last week in our sermon, we did that anchor passage and I think why it's, it's burned in my memory is because an entire nation answered that question with, yes, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it turns out they were just all faking it. Because in the next book, right as soon as Joshua dies, they all turn away. And the book of Judges says that everybody did what was right in their own eyes. That means they just figured out what we're going to do, what works for them, uh, and they went off and did it. If you're, if you're uh, not a Christian, if you're visiting church, um, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about households of faith and, and I guess, Christian homes and families and Christian inner life. Um, let me just say this. Australia is not helped by fake Christians. The more and more that churches put on some kind of a show and everybody just comes together on a Sunday and says, hey, let's just play nice for one day. And, you know, we did some statistics last week, right? So 8% of Australian Christians even rock up to church every other week. So maybe on any given Sunday, there's only 4% of Christians. And those are the, that measurement is just the showing up to church. I think this series is about us saying, hey, are we or are we not going to be the real deal? Are we going to actually have some kind of integrity in our inner life, in our home life, um, and match that up with our outside life? I mean, uh, Pastor Ron and I, we've been talking about this for years and years, like decades. Um, how do you think Australia has broadly lost its faith? We think one of those reasons is the inner hypocrisy that goes on in the home. Where people are up in a Christian tradition, they're growing up in supposedly Christian homes and doing religious things. But the kids, they know God's not in charge of the home. They know that there's a different purpose. They know there's a different agenda. Um, and so I'm kind of glad that we, uh, that we started the message a bit earlier. I will try and keep on time. And then hopefully we'll have a bit of time to do some ministry. Because all through this series, I hope that it's actually a little bit convicting for all of us. All of us, myself included. As a pastor, myself included. Because even as a pastor, even as our staff pastoral team, even our home group leaders, our board members, need to regularly, regularly do a litmus test and go, hey, how are we doing? Is it me and my house serving the Lord or are we just kind of playing church? If we do households of faith well, I think you'll find that it will be life-giving, that we will actually have something to offer the community around us. We will have something to offer to families around us. We will have something to offer to another generation that's growing up around us. We will have something to offer to our neighbors and our friends as we invite them home and they taste and see that God is real in our lives. Australia is not blessed by fake Christians. It's not. And so, as for this church, we're going out of a way. I really, really hope that FJA ends up doing things that your standard church just doesn't do. Because we have got a mandate. We have got to keep this authentic. We have to be the same way at home as we are here. So that if you talk about durian at home, then you talk about durian here at church. So that when we talk about God at church, you're also talking about God at home. Home. Right? Instead of, as I grew up, um, you know, in, in an Asian church, I grew up learning to craft the facade, learning which uncles and aunties 
you have to say hello to. And which ones, it doesn't matter. They don't even notice, right? You know, I, I, I crafted the how do you sit and, and, and pay attention at service so that everybody thinks you're paying attention, but you're like, thinking about other things or you're doing you're leveling up your game or whatever it is right like I grew up in that environment and I saw so many of my friends so many of my friends and so many of their families just turn away from God and I discovered actually that not everyone is the same so we can look around here in this room and the reality the 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 honest reality is that while we all call FGA our home church while we all may have the banner as for me and my house we will serve the Lord the actual reality is that for some of us it's not a reality in our home lives now I don't want to um, I, I, I don't want to sort of begin with too much of a downer this truth is actually very liberating it's actually very freeing. Once we discover that we don't have to play act, once we discover that God is actually very concerned about what it is that goes on in our lives, that His purpose is to redeem you from the inside out, to actually have a real connection with you and your family, it's very transformative. And I think over the next two months, you'll have many, many opportunities to reinvigorate your spiritual walk and your spiritual life. We're actually even, it's our prophetic year. So we'll be going into another season, actually. We started the year with the seven love letters. And we went through a little bit of a a prayer and fasting season. But um, you'll hear soon in October that we'll be going through another one of those seasons. Because we just want to make sure that we've got front and center the purposes of God. Okay, so let's do a quick recap. So this is part two. Uh, Last week we did part one. So you can go back and um, listen to that if you want. Uh, broadly, we're anchoring the series on As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And last week we did As for me and my house. And we looked at the one verse, the only verse in the Bible that has the word household of faith. It's found in Galatians. And it says this very weird thing. It says, do good to everyone, but especially the household of faith. And we said that is a call to integrity. That's not a call to favoritism. That is a call to keep it so that you're not just doing nice things to other people and then treating those who know you well or when nobody's looking, you're just terrible. Right? So it's saying, especially those in the house, those who are really, really close to you. Uh, We know actually that it is hard, much harder to do good to those who are in the household of faith. You know this, I know this. Somehow your own children irritate you more than other people's children. Somehow within your husband and wife, even your own spouse, the person you you vowed to spend your whole life with can take more patience and more grace and more forgiveness than a complete stranger elsewhere. And, And the challenge actually for us as Christians is to keep that, integrity that inner integrity that's why it's in there as a passage so as for me and my house we would serve the lord um today we're going to go on to we will serve the lord so we did as for me and my house and then we're going to go we will serve the lord just as if you've been at fj um for a while you'll know that we kind of use f-a-i-t-h as an acronym um so here's a good kind of um, framework, I guess, for the next couple of months that we've got going forward. How, what does it look like to serve the Lord? What does serving the Lord look like? What are some of the core values entrenched into serving the Lord, right? Um, We're going to be going through the FAITH acronym, which means we will be talking about being faithful to the mission. We'll be talking about being active and personally involved. We'll be talking about intimate, relationally, teachable in discipleship, and holy and set apart. Each of those represent the five-fold ministry found in Ephesians, but it's also our kind of relational take, our household of faith relational take on how do we do this particular church with this particular calling on our church, the kind of church that God has called us to be. 
Because it's not just that we are a household of faith. The kind of household we are uh, is important. So just before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about this word serve. Because the F-A-I-T-H, that's going to explain how we are going to serve the Lord. The word serve, the Hebrew word is avod. Right? Um, it is one of the many words in the Bible that is translated into worship um, for us in English. I, I, I love going back into the uh, original text because you get a real sense when you go to the original text about what, um, the, what a culture is like. So, Happy Chinese New Year, Konghei Fa Chai or whatever, right? It doesn't have Happy Chinese or New Year in the original translation. It's not even in there. It means wishing you wealth and prosperity. It just gets translated as Happy Chinese New Year. Uh, because maybe over here, people want happiness. But in China and in the Asians, it's just wealth and prosperity. Same thing, right? Do you know what I mean? So you get a little bit of that sense. And so when you go to the Hebrew and it says avod or serve, what, and it means worship. So then it goes, do not serve other gods. Do not worship other gods. It conveys, you get that Hebraic sense of actually, it's like you are serving a master. It's you're all in. You're like a slave. Somehow your worship is not just rocking up on a Sunday, sitting down while a band plays. Worship is not just listening to Hillsong on your car. Somehow there is an element of worship that involves you as a living sacrifice. That's why avod is used to mean worship, that you should not serve other gods, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Absolutely, there is some sacrifice. There is some works involved in it. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about that balance of, of works uh, because we're not earning our way to God. This is not, this is not uh, me and my house, we serve the Lord in order to, to be saved, in order to work our way into heaven. We're not talking about that. We're talking about if you are genuinely worshiping the Lord, then something takes place in your life that is more than just flipping on a, a song while you're in the shower, whatever it is, right? It is all of your life. It's all in. And so that word serve, we'll, I love it as, um, as worship. In fact, if you look at all the, tradition, uh, the d- traditional denominations of Christianity, a lot of them would have in their catechisms, um, the first one, what is the, pr- the main purpose of man? To worship the Lord. Yep. In fact, uh, I think you'll find that God is the one who best deserves worship. Because we will all end up worshiping and serving something. You're going to end up serving something. Whether that would be Instagram likes, whether it would be your career, whether it would be to keep up with your neighbors, whether it would be you're serving your stomach, right? Whatever it is. We're all serving something. And I think the great proposition here, the great hope here is that God is a good master. He's a good God. And that He watches over us more than just this life that we have. That He's concerned about things eternal and not just what's happening after lunch. What's happening next year with you? How is your house going? How is your... Everybody can agree to say, let's serve the Lord. Not all of us have that as a genuine purpose. That's, that's why we did last week. That's why there's that, such a famous story that sits at the end of Joshua. It's been recorded for over 2,000 years to remind us that it could be that people would say, we will serve the Lord, and then right in their next breath, turn away from God. It's like we all go on some big holiday together, right? And everybody has a different objective in this holiday. Some people want to just eat food. Some people want to just go out and do as many things on the holiday. Some people just want to relax and watch TV. And you, you, you get together and actually when it comes down to it, everybody just does what is right in their own eyes. 
That's not the plan here. The idea is that as for me and my house, we would serve the Lord means that it becomes this unifying purpose for us as a household of faith. All right? That um, I'm hoping also that as you do this series, uh, and I know I'm going to be talking interchangeably between the church and our family. And that's because... Uh, as Pastor Roland was explaining last week, the church really is an extension of your family. It's God's family. That's why family language is in there. That's why uh, it's, as for me at my house, that's why the goal is that as we get transformed individually, our whole church would get transformed. It's no point us having a welcoming program that sends out three emails and an automated SMS if at the end of that, nobody actually wants to talk to you <laughs> or nobody even wants to be friendly. It's kind of useless. We might have the most amazing metrics that can record all kinds of things. It goes nowhere. Instead, we have found at FGA, if we do the opposite, it produces great fruit. It does wonders that if we have actually friendly households of faith, people who actually really want to relationally connect with other people um, that even if we're terrible, and sure, we can improve, but even if we're really bad with some of these technical things, we end up catching people. We end up making a difference in people's lives because um, we are comprised of families and individuals here. That's our real life. Okay, so at FGA, we have been around this topic many, many times. How many people here in this room have ever heard a message on anything broadly related to household of faith? Put up your hand. Have you ever heard household of faith? Oh my goodness, that's like more than half, right? So I feel like we have been, because it's so central to our church, we have been around this many, many times. And so this time around, we're going to cover a bit of the nuances of it. We're going to cover a little bit of the edges of it. Because most of us understand this conceptually, but conceptually is not good enough. Conceptually is not, it's very easy to understand in concept. I think the real challenge is, how is it lived out in our life? So today we're going to begin the first one, which is faithful to the mission. How do we, uh, if we're going, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How do we, in our homes, in our families, how do we stay faithful to the mission that God has given us? That is really, really crucial. I'll tell you now, I've been, uh, oh no, I should have probably counted. I've been married over 20 years. <laughs> Um, right? And, and our family has gone through so many changes, right? From us just being by ourselves to having children to growing up, they're driving, uh, various things happening, right? Um, every now and then, we have to tap in and say, hey, are we being faithful to the mission? Or have we kind of gone off course, all right, so we're going to anchor today. We're going to do this verse, and we're going to come back to it. So it's the anchor for our whole um, sermon today. It goes from Acts 20, 24, and it says this. And this is uh, Paul as he's writing to the people, to the elders in um, Ephesus, all right, to the Ephesian church. And Paul says this so that you can get a glimpse into his life as he tries to be faithful to the mission. As he goes, hey, I'm going to be serving the Lord. All right. And he says this. But I reckon my own life to be worth nothing to me. I only want to complete my mission and finish the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to do. Which is to declare the good news about the grace of of God. I wonder, that these are very challenging words. I, I know I'm preaching the sermon and I'm, I've had the privilege of studying this text, um, but I myself am under submission. I myself read these words and our lives in, in my own home, my own life, has to come under submission to God's word on this. We, we all have to 
uh, whenever we encounter God's scripture, because we are his disciples, we are forming to be in his image. All of us at some level have to read this and go, oh my goodness. Can I say that? How faithful are we going to be to this mission? How seriously are we going to take the mission that God has given to us that we would be faithful towards it? How serious are we and our family about God's mission? And just to be clear, I'm not talking about FGA's mission. We're not, I mean, hopefully there's some overlap, but we are really talking about God's mission. Can If we all say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, can we read words like that and go, yeah, that that's me. So I'm going to, let's dive a little bit uh, into this, okay? There is a big misconception, and we're going to try and cover some of the edges around um, the concept of faithful to the mission, all right? There is a big misconception about what appears good versus what really produces good fruit, okay? So I, wanna, I really want to talk about this. Uh, you're going to f- see through this whole series, it's going to be an authenticity type series because it is way too obvious that in Australia, too many people are pretending church. Okay, so there's a, it's possible to appear good versus really produce good fruit and I want to put it to you that faithfulness produces good fruit, okay? Uh, I've learned that sometimes if we had to understand the words of Scripture, if you understand what Jesus is saying, we actually have to put on His lens, which is sometimes very, very, very different from our own lens and how we would normally interpret things. How did Jesus go about um, developing his disciples that would end up being faithful to a mission. Actually, he looked for different things. On face value, these disciples were useless. And I'm not being abnormally harsh on them. In their own words, as they write their own gospel from their eyewitness account, they record their own failings. They frequently did not know what Jesus was talking about. They couldn't even figure out who the the Messiah was. They were falling asleep during prayer meetings, right? They were constantly arguing about who would be the greatest. I want to be the, right? They had no clue. And this was Jesus's select few. These 12 disciples would end up being named after churches all around the world. They would anchor great traditions around our faith. These would be like heroes. Yet, in the time that Jesus had with them to build faithfulness to the mission, at face value, they were really terrible. Like, Peter, he's like, he's walking on water, he doubts, he falls down, he's denying Jesus, and yet he ends up being the father of the whole church. Right? So how is it, what was it that Jesus was looking for that he was developing in them that wasn't just on the surface? Because on the surface, it looks like a little bit like FGA. On the surface, it looks a little bit like FGA. We're more concerned about food, and we've got food menus up on our screen. And then, you know, we want to, like, all these types of things are going on. And maybe we're all a little bit confused, and we don't know our Bible well enough. And we don't know, uh, you can't articulate systematic theology. You don't know what the book of Leviticus is actually even about. Whatever it is, on the surface, maybe some of these metrics aren't there. But God is trying to build something else. And I'm not saying that, you know, you don't need to know your Bible and and Leviticus is actually a really good book, right? But faithfulness over time produces good fruit. I found that sometimes, especially in today's modern environment, we tend to shortcut the process and we go for the good fruit fast So we aim for excellence or the appearance of excellence. Quick, quick, quick. So the metrics look amazing. So that when I, oh, somebody said they didn't know what I meant by metrics. The the things that you record, like your Fitbit steps or whatever it is, right? They look so good. Like you're, oh my goodness, you're, you're Fitbit stepping all the time. But actually, all you're doing is wake up in the morning, you shake your hands a lot. 
and then you text your friend, hey. Like, that's kind of what is happening sometimes in our church. That we're, we're, we're shooting for the metrics, sometimes the excellence part, but it's not reflective of our, our lives. You know, Jesus, um, he showcases this so well in this parable that he talks about these two sons. It's a parable that Jesus, that you would not believe how this parable goes or how Jesus shifts the emphasis in this. Because there's one good son and there's a bad attitude son. There's a son who you think, oh my goodness, this guy, he's the ideal. I wish I had a son like him, right? And then there's the other one. So let's read that passage. It's in Matthew 21, 28 to 32. And Jesus says, what do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first, the first son, and said, son, I'm your father. I'm giving you a mission, right? Just as God is our father, he has given us a mission. Go and work in the vineyard today. And this son answered to his father's face in, an in a time when honor was such a big deal, all right? This guy, you, you have to see the insult in this, okay? You can't imagine like it's today and your own children talking to you because the world's like a lot more blasé nowadays, right? But back in those days, so you have to imagine back in those days, the father says to his son, go into the vineyard and do this. And the son says, I will not. Not, hey, hey, so I, can't, I, I would love to, but I can't. The son has the audacity to say to his father, I will not. But afterwards, he changed his mind and went. This bad attitude son changed his mind and went. And then he tells about another son who you'd think is so amazing on the face value of it. This is like the ideal son that you want to have. And it says, and he's a, he went to the other son and said the same. Son, go to work in the vineyard today, right? I mean, it's assumed that he would say the same thing. And the second son says, I go, sir. Oh my goodness, can you see the difference in tone, even in the language that's described? Such short words, but they're trying to paint a picture of the two kinds of sons that are out there. All right? I go, sir. But he did not go. This guy, for all of his like good attitude, I will call my dad, sir, uncle, auntie, hello, how are you? Whatever the thing is ends up not going. And then Jesus says these words, which is why I think it's so, you have to look beneath the surface. If you want to get, catch the lens that Jesus looks at in your life and in your home. Because he doesn't look at it from an uncle-auntie lens. He doesn't. He looks at it from a faithfulness lens. And he says, which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. The first. And Jesus would end up using the tax collectors and the prostitutes and those who would seemingly not have their life together. Those who would seemingly have already lived their life in rebellion to God. And haven't figured out the polite way to to interact at church. They haven't figured out the appearances or how to have a good kind of attitude response. They, he would end up using those who actually, despite the struggle, despite the repentance, despite how much it would rub them the wrong way because they did not want to go, right? This son, he does not want to do the will of the father. Somehow, something happened, he ended up doing it. God would end up using those to start his kingdom. What does that say about the lens that God has? It, it's very telling because in, in God's early, and Jesus' early disciples, his first 12, included tax collectors. Right? 
So clearly, he's not picking from people who appear like they've got it all together. He's picking from people who in reality will go and actually do the will of the Father. And if we're honest, sometimes that looks like, oh, I don't want to do it. Come on, son, clean up your room. Oh, whatever, you're the worst dad if I don't want to do it. And he ends up cleaning his room. Oh my goodness, that's better than the one who doesn't clean their room, right? And sure, we can all say, oh, maybe he should have a better attitude. Maybe he should be more polite. Maybe all of those things, absolutely. But what was the first thing that Jesus highlighted? The faithfulness. What was the first thing to, to look at? Because over time, that faithfulness will produce the good attitude. Over time, these disciples ended up being the kinds of people who had the good attitude, who ended up changing the world. But it began with them saying, first and foremost, I'm just going to do the will of the Father. It, it's rubbing me the wrong way. I'm, I'm going to struggle with it. I want to have family devotions. But it's so hard. But they do it nevertheless. I want to read the Bible. Oh my goodness, I can't be, oh, I'm so tired reading the Bible. I fall asleep. I read two verses, two words, and I, oh, I'm asleep. But they do it anyway. That's faithful. That's what faithful to the mission looks like. You know, if we look at faithfulness, uh, I mean, a story that you're, obviously, if you're FJ, you hear it heaps of times. I, I tell it in the book as well. But um, in, in our older house, we had um, this concrete uh, walkway in front of our house, right? And um, it, it, it broke up, the old, old house. Um, concrete is actually more excellent than wood. It is stronger than wood. How is it that concrete can break because of the roots of a tree? Let me tell you how. Because a tree is alive and it grows faithfully every year. Concrete is dead. It might look excellent. It might present as excellent up front. But over time, what happens is when winter comes, the concrete actually contracts and a little bit of space is created. Then the root, which is alive, grows into that space. And then when the, the weather heats up, the concrete, which is dead, tries to get back into that space, but it's taken up by the root already. Oh my goodness, taken up by the root. Because the root has been slowly and steadily growing. Wood's actually not stronger than concrete. You can like. But over time, the thing that is alive, the thing that is faithful, ends up beating the thing that tries to give the upfront excellence. You know, today, there's so many modern day shortcuts to excellence that we have all taken. Let me give you a, a few because I spent my corporate career trying to pursue excellence. And I, I, again, can I please say, this is not a knock against excellence. This is a knock against pursuing excellence ahead of faithfulness. All right? If you pursue excellence first, that means at all costs you want people to say or you want to be the best as quick as possible you'll discover that excellence requires all of your attention. We know this. You want to be the absolute best in your sport. You want to be the best in your field. You want to be best in your company. You better believe 10,000 other people also want to be the best. And so you better be on your game. You better do. It better take all of your attention. Excellence requires all of your attention. And then you can't pay attention to everything at once. So what happens in modern day excellence is people reduce the scope. We know this. Hey, I'm the best at doing this one little thing. This, this, this is it. You know, all my corporate client meetings was all get in there, reduce the scope, reduce the scope, reduce the scope. Oh my goodness, this guy's amazing. He produced on this one thing. Like we would, we would do strategy consulting. That's what I was uh, doing before I was a pastor. Corporate strategy consultant. We'd come in, we'd do Hong Kong, we'd do large organizations, and we'd say, all we do is a broad strategy. That's the entire scope. And then five years later, when the whole thing doesn't work, everything falls down, we just, ah! That's too bad. That was your implementation. We got nothing to do with it. Our, our little plan was excellent. That PowerPoint that we sent you was amazing. 
that one small little thing that we had to reduce the scope so much so that we could get modern day excellence. Don't let that be your family. Don't, don't go and say, oh, my whole family, we're going we're gonna to be so amazing. People are going to say we're the best family. And then you, you pick one area. And you go, yeah, 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 yeah. This is what we're going to be amazing at. And all of our resources are going to be picking that one area. That's modern excellence shortcuts. Short bursts. That, 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 and we see companies do this all the time. Short bursts that cannot sustain. Because they are not built on an inner resilience. They're not actually grounded in something that has a pipeline all the way in. And then the last thing I would say about modern day excellence, which is why I find it quite damaging if it's your focus, is that it highlights your ability. That what it ends up saying is, hey, I'm awesome. I'm excellent. I'm the one who did this. Whereas faithfulness always has that tinge of, actually, I couldn't. Actually, I couldn't. Nevertheless, I'm going to go with you, God. I've hit the end of myself. And so now I'm just putting my faith and my trust in you, God. I'm doing things that's actually beyond myself. What does it look like to be faithful over a long period of time? Let's have this chat because I know you guys have heard household of faith and faithfulness so often, right? Let me, let's talk for a bit and do a real world snapshot as to what it looks like to be faithful over a long period of time because that is the goal. In reality, if you're like so many of the families here at FGA, if you want to be faithful to the same God for a long time, if you want to be faithful within a household of faith that God has called you in, if you want to be faithful to the family that God has planted you in, and you don't want to just chop and change, you know, the excellence part, that's really easy, right? Because if somebody's not excellent, you just swap them out for somebody who is excellent. It's a lot harder to go the long distance, long period, and faithful in a household of faith. I think what you'll discover is you end up struggling. You end up hitting the limit of what you can do. You get to this point where you go, you know what? I will not go. <laughs> Actually, I don't think I can handle it. You, we have to be comfortable enough as a church, as families, to be able to see that edge and perceive it the way Jesus sees it. And go, you've hit your edge. So Peter hit the edge of his faith. And he walked on the water and then he fell. Peter hit the edge of his faith and he ended up denying Jesus. And Jesus still, at the end, came back to restore him, to encourage him to keep going. So God proved himself um, faithful. Um, let's look at Jesus' example of what it is to go that long haul. Okay, because I think this shows us what faithfulness looks like. If you're going to go to the end of your limit, and I know so many of us here at FGA, we have actually in our obedience and in our worship of God, we have gone to the very limit. Brilliant. It's because when, it's when we hit the end of ourselves that we allow space for God to really work in our lives. But let's look at Jesus' example. In Luke 22, 41 to 44, Jesus does this. He withdrew. We're talking about Jesus here. Right? He withdrew from them. About a stone's throw. So not very far. I can't throw a stone very far. So, you know, it's not, it's not that far. So everybody can see Jesus. He's not, Jesus not withdrawing. So he's doing something completely in secret that nobody could understand the disciples Luke ends up um, Luke who's the physician who goes around trying to document Jesus life he ends up hearing about this instance how does he hear about this instance is Jesus while he's removed a little bit is not so far away that no one can see him they're all seeing Jesus struggle how disappointing is that to have the 
the head of your church, the head of your entire movement, pretty much going away, crying tears going, take it away, I don't want to do this, this is terrible. If I had a say in it, I won't be doing this at all. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed. And this is recorded, right? The way the Bible records things is it's compressed. Okay, so there's no iPhone recording the thing. There's, Jesus very likely did not just pray a one-sentence prayer. Let's just be really clear about that. Okay? Jesus very likely went off to really plead his case and pray to such an extent that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. You don't get to that state in one sentence. As you're praying. What the Bible is trying to do is, it's trying to compress. Back in those days, writing was very hard. No typewriter, nothing. You can't just photocopy stuff, right? They're trying to compress and get the main point of what is going on in this situation. So you've got Jesus, our founder of our faith, right? God himself, our model, our template, who we're going, right? And he goes off and he prayed, Father, if you are willing... Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, and I know it's shortened. Okay, so you have to understand it's shortened. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will. So you get a sense. What? Does that mean Jesus' will at some level, at some point? He says, not my will, right? So his will has to be something he's wanting, something else. Not my will, but yours be done. And you see, in this point, Jesus' will becomes the same as God's will. At this point, when he's hit his actual limit, he goes, and we all know what this is like, where we don't feel like doing it anymore, where we go, oh my goodness, I can't, I don't want to go and, and speak to my friend at work and help them out. I, I just, I really don't, I'm really tired. I want to give, I don't want to deal with my children and, and, and whatever the thing is, right? I don't want to, I don't want to work on my marriage. Uh, you know, she's just unlovable. That's what it is. You know, I've hit the, the, the limit of the, whatever the thing is, right? You see in this passage, this is how faithfulness works. You hit the end of your will and then you go, just like that first son in that parable, just like that first son who began with, I will not. Something changes that avoid, that serve, kicks in, and you go, I'm not my own master. I'm not my own determiner of things. I make terrible decisions, my own self. I am going to serve the Lord. I am going to go, not my will, but yours be done. And that is where you see at a micro level, at a detail level, how a person becomes faithful over time. Faithful over time, even when stretched to the very limit. And I don't think any one of us have ever been stretched to the limit that Jesus was stretched. Right? So, here are some, just as we close... Um, here are some kind of tips along the way. If I could, if I could do um, some practical tips, because this whole series, the goal of this series, why we've done it so many times, is to be as practical as I possibly can, as we possibly can. Next week, we've got Brendan and Kathy Clancy coming to speak, and they're talking about home sweet home and your home environment uh, with family and kids. And then we've got Mark Hodgetts coming the week after that, and he's talking about how to get the Bible into your home. Right? So we're trying to do some really practical, real-world things. But here are some things that I've discovered along the way, growing up at FGA, trying to live a faithful life of just being faithful to this mission, uh, serving the Lord. Tip number one, pacing and buffers. We're in this for the long haul. That's why there are Bible verses in there that, that say our faith is like a marathon. Okay, so actually for some of you, um, you're serving a lot. Some of you, you're like really, really doing, doing a lot. If you're going to go through the long haul, you actually need to, and it might sound contrary a little bit, 
but we're getting to the details. You actually need to build in some level of pacing so that you are able to have that time with God to say, to, to do that internal battle. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will. You've got to have some pacing and some buffer to allow yourself some time to struggle with issues versus just denying it and powering on. Like you're so, you cannot say no to my mom or whatever it is. And so you're just like, go, 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 go. And then you tip over and die. <laughs> I've been there and done that. Do you know what I mean? Not just my, I know I pick up my mom a lot. But, you know, like, not just my mom, right? But every, everyone else, right? Because the goal is faithfulness. The goal is faithfulness. The second is, I think, which is the point that comes out from the parable that we, that we read. We have to be comfortable with failure. That means there will be people in our lives, our own children, our own spouses, our best friend, our home group leader, our worship leader, one of the pastoral staff, one of the, 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 the board members of FJ, whatever it is, right? May actually need your grace and forgiveness. Or you may need grace and forgiveness. Because what happens is when you hit the end, the edge of your ability, you fail. So you become like Peter who walks on water and then sinks. Or you, you, you get to the edge of your understanding. And, and you're like the disciples who've, who've, who've been taught by the best teacher. And you're like, oh my goodness, I, I have no idea what, who you are or, or what this is all about. What I've noticed is if you want to go a long haul with the mission of Christ, it is peppered with a whole bunch of failure along the way. But then with grace and forgiveness, so that 70 times 7 times you fall, and 70 times 7 times you get up again. That's what it looks like. That you're, you're extending the grace and forgiveness that God has given to you, to all of us, to others so that we don't stop with that conversation you yeah, some of us I, I know what it's like let's keep it real right i know what it's like you, you you speak to somebody they're younger than you and you go you go and do this and that guy says i will not <laughs> that's the end of the conversation that's it you're never talking to that guy again you blast them right there and then you begin the sentence with do you know who i am or whatever the thing is right and that's the end of the conversation you have cut that whole parable short before that guy has a time to think about his life his life decisions to to mull on that that failure of attitude and response and to himself through the prompting of the holy spirit over time Come back and go, you know what? I'll, I'll just do it anyway. You've robbed that person of that, that section. And sometimes that's your own children. Because you're not comfortable with the failure. You're not comfortable with the edge of where they're, they're performing. And so I think the long haul Christian walk is full, in our church anyway, of people showing each other grace and forgiveness. So that we keep encouraging each other. Let's keep with the mission. And then lastly, I think another tip, uh, which we have definitely seen in our family, is that we weather change well. That if you're going to go a long haul with this, then your life is going to change. Your children are going to change. This church is going to change. And faithfulness means we still stick with that mission, even though the Worship style has changed. It's a bit more smoky. I don't know, right? There's like, I don't know, whatever things change, we don't change with our mission. So I'm just going to end back on this verse. If I could uh, maybe get the worship team up. I know you guys are all paying attention back there, right? Good. <laughs> they promised me they're going to be at the back there, like pay attention watching the thing. Um, okay, so it ends like the, oh, see, ah, oh, so good. <laughs> um, it, I want to end with this because this is a very serious challenge to us as a church. 
um, it's a challenge to our own families. In fact, we had one, um, I'll try and keep it anonymous, but one of the guys in our pre-service prayer, as we were praying, said, you know, as we were praying, I felt convicted to do family devotions back in my home again. I'm like, wow. Sometimes I don't feel like doing family devotions in my own home. Being faithful to this mission means that we're constantly getting back up. Not my will, but yours. I don't know where your family is right now. I actually don't know how you're doing with God. I don't know how your home life is. I do know one thing though, which is why I'm so thrilled. I know one thing, that FGA is this church where we go the long haul that actually most of you will be around next week, right? Most of you will be around the week after. That we're actually broadly faithful people. We are. We're broadly faithful. We did those stats last week. We actually serve more than the average in Australia. We're actually more relational than the average in Australia, I think. So I know we'll be around for another day. Most of us will be around for another day. So this time around, when there's a season for God to call us back to say, hey, are you being faithful to the mission? We need to take that seriously. So it doesn't matter actually where your spiritual life is right at this moment. It doesn't matter because it can change. It only matters if it's not going to change, right? I'm hoping today that the Holy Spirit, just as I am subject to these words of Scripture, that you would also come under the authority of Scripture, that you would come under the instruction of God who gives us this mission. That we would make, as for me and my house, we would serve the Lord, not just lip service, but we would say this, that Lord Jesus gave me a mission. It says here, but I reckon my own life to be worth nothing to me. I only want to complete the mission. I only want to complete my mission and finish the work. You see these words? They're faithfulness works. They're not, oh, I'm going to be so amazing. I'm going to do this. He's got a much seemingly lower goal. He just wants to be faithful to the end. He just wants to complete it, finish it. Honestly, that's that's my heartbeat as well. Um, You'll catch this across our pastoral team, even with Pastor Roland. None of us want to be super famous pastors. I would definitely not pastor any other church other than this. If I could just be really honest with you, my goal is if I could just be faithful as a husband to my wife so that our family as for me and my house we serve the Lord if I could just be faithful as a pastor so that under this my watch our church serves the Lord if we could just make it so that we could finish and complete the mission that God has for this church in this society in Box Hill where we are placed if we could just faithfully complete it that would be fantastic. That would be the goal. We don't have to be the most amazing church in the world. We don't. We have to be the faithful one. We have to be the one that never lets go of that central prize. Because I kind of feel like it's possible in today's modern day and age for us to let go of that and then appear to be amazing. When everyone who knows us knows we've taken our hand off that mission. So while all eyes are closed, I'm going to actually issue a little bit of a challenge today. Because this could be the turning point. This could be the beginning for you. Again. And maybe some of you, it's many beginnings. Fine. Because we're going to go many laps around this through our whole life. 
If today you want to make a commitment to be faithful to the mission that God has given you, if today the Holy Spirit was speaking to you about the kind of tenacity it will take to just be faithful even if you don't feel like it, I want to invite you to stand while all eyes are closed. Um, I know it's a little bit of a bold move and everyone's going to see us and kind of standing, but if God is convicting you and you want to be faithful to the mission, you want to make an actual commitment today to say, I only want to complete my mission and finish the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to do which is to declare the good news about the grace of God. If that's you, I really want to pray for you today because I know there are some of you, you've come into the service and you're at the end of your own strength. You've come into today's service and your family is at the end of your family's ability even. And it is at that end, when you hit the, not my will, that God meets us. And it is this type of commitment where you would go, not my will, but yours be done, that would kick off another cycle in your life. You will go another lap for God. Step by step, faithfully on this journey that God has called us here for. So I want to pray for you. If you're standing, I want to pray for you. This is your last chance to stand and then let's, let's pray. Father God, I pray for every single person who's standing here. I thank you for the work that you're doing in their life. And I pray, Lord God, as they commit to you, Father, as they, they uh, acknowledge their own weakness, as they submit their will to yours, I pray, Lord God, that you would bear forth good fruit in their life. Lord God, that, that things would turn around in their life, that you would speak to them even right now about steps that they need to take that are not their will, but are yours as they become faithful step by step in following you with their life. I pray for this church, Lord God, that you would help us to do what it takes to remain faithful and on course with you. Help us to reach out to this community with the good news of Jesus Christ. Not a fake one or an image that we have put up, but this good news as represented by real people in real homes, in real families, in real lives. We commit all that you're doing into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you um, want some prayer and ministry, I want to invite you to come up in front. And, and we would love to pray for you. I'd love to stay back and pray for you because that transformation in your home, it can happen. If you, are, if you want, you can head, if you want to chit-chat, uh, please do that outside. We're going we're gonna to keep this place as a place just for God to do a little bit of work. Uh, we'll see you next week where we have Brendan and Kathy Clancy uh, on, or maybe on Wednesday for our midweek um, family night. God bless.